spoken lately. I haven't thought about flying for a long time. I have a dream that at moment when I was alone above the clouds for a long time. I have dreamed waking up in a room surrounded in blue and green grass for more years than I could dream of memory. I haven't walked back into the past or scratched on the doors of my origins, where it all came from, since I held up that cape for the last time. Return to Kent Town 10th year anniversary edition is a revised version of Ambien's first poetry book. The book can be purchased from Amazon and it contains numerous additional material. Spoken Label Hi, it's Ambien from Spoken Label. Thank you today for streaming or downloading another episode of Spoken Label. Spoken Label was originally set up on beginning of the 2016 and as of speaking has currently nearly 300 sessions. The full archive is available on Spoken Label full stop bandcamp.com although it is available for free for stream and download if you wish I am always grateful for any sort of kind of donation to enable me to keep the running costs of this podcast going. And enjoy. Take care. Bye-bye. Spoken Label. Hi, guys. Andy N. Spoken Label. Back in the house on a Monday evening. Yeah, I'm knackered today after a busy day in work, but never too knackered to chat to a dear, dear friend of Spoken Label. Oh, I've just sold it. And I think she holds a record now for being one of the few people that's been on the Spoken Label three times now. So I've got the wonderful Sarah James with me today, also known as Sarah Lipsy. Now, Sarah, obviously, for people who don't know you, do you want to tell people, obviously, look a bit about yourself, and we'll start from there? Do you know, that's that's the hardest question an interviewer ever asks you. Can you tell <laughs> someone a little bit about yourself? Um, yeah, so I'll probably start rambling, and then you can tell me to shut up. Shut up, um, shut up. I'm a pun- <laughs> Um, yeah I'm a poet a writer um, fiction writer journalist and a photographer I think are probably the main the main creative things I do at the moment Um, yeah I am type one diabetic which is fairly relevant to my new collection Um, and I've been I've had was diagnosed with type one diabetes um, when I was six so I've had it quite a long time now Um, I like walking and cycling and just getting outdoors a lot so that's my spare kind of spare time activity and of course that also then like everything else in life filters through into the writing yeah it does well I was like chatting about you Sarah's and when we first got talking a couple of years ago and he sent over to me a couple of your little books at the time um always another twist was the one that always sticks in my head and that absolutely had me and Amanda cracking yeah. for weeks after that one did so that's why but and that's that's worth double checking on the previous podcast itself. Now, last time we chatted, we just double checked before, didn't we? It was all the way back in August 2020, which is horrifying, really, because like it's been, you think, really, it's been what nearly two years, hasn't it, really? And we're only just coming out of lockdown now. So it's been like interesting times, to put it nicely. So, <laughs> so but obviously, um. <laughs> yeah, back in August 2020, just to recap. You bought up. You, you had a program come out, didn't you? And you collected onto your website called The Room. Now, I've really, really enjoyed playing around with this program. So, obviously, for people who don't know what The Room was, do you want to tell people what it is? Um, 
it's it, it's a multimedia um, poetry um, and photography experience, perhaps the way to put it. it I mean, hypertext poetry. Um, so essentially, you 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 go in, you enter the room on the website, um, and then through the the text within, there are different links. Um, so what some words are highlighted, and depending on which word you choose to pick on, depends on the text that you get next. Um, and I'd, that was already previously written, but what happened that year during lockdown was I was lucky enough to get some Arts Council England funding um, to develop it in this way, so that rather than it being um, a print book, it was looking at a new way of bringing that to people. So one of the big things that was involved with that was both getting up on the website with all the different links that people could click through on, but also bringing in some photographic um, elements so that in the centre of the page, when you look at it on the screen, there will be the shape of a room and the shape of the room changes each time and what's within it changes each time as well. Um, with quite a lot of what I did was like animated gift. So they're almost like short videos, but they're actually animated GIFs within the, in the center of the room with stuff happening in them. <laughs> and then there was an audio background as well to try and make it as immersive as possible. Um, yeah. yeah. And that was also... Yeah, yeah, I remember it well. That was also inspired by living with, um, with diabetes. It was the, um, particularly the mental health aspects of living with a a condition and how that affects your view on life if that makes sense yeah it does that's why it's worth everybody checking out on Sarah's website alone we'll give the details at the end of it because it is a, it's a fascinating program itself and after obviously this obviously came out Sarah it kind of, I think it kind of makes sense that's why I want you to tell people about this uh, what's led next you really hasn't it with your new collection blood sugar sex and magic now was it always planned for you to do a diabetic book after that program No, but I think we, we I think we actually in, in the podcast with you, we did talk about whether there was a print version to come. And at that stage, I'd possibly wondered about doing a print version with the actual text that's used in the um, in, in the hypertext project. Um, but both the new collection and the hypertext, everything changes. And both the, the new collection and the poems in the hypertext project had never started that way. They were part of um, a longer uh, manuscript, which had um, seven memoir segments retelling my life in different ways. And that was in prose. And interspersed with that were elements of the room. And there were also some poems in there. Um, so what happened after I'd done the room was, was the kind of that question of, well, what do I do with the other stuff? Do I try and get this manuscript to work without it? Or do I actually separate out? Because mixing prose, the room, which are kind of more like poetry fragments, and then actual poem poems in one manuscript was quite a lot anyway. So I just separated the strands out um, and then added to and worked on that manuscript which became blood sugar sex magic brilliant yeah uh, I, I wonder if we said it last time they teach, as you say if we had listened today shit for brains here hasn't gone back and double checked the last podcast but I, I thought i know me and sarah are getting great enough so we can talk about stuff like that <laughs> so anyway sarah then 
<laughs> okay. Uh, first of all, then, where 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 did you come from? The title for this book. Um, the titles after the Red Hot Chili Peppers album. Um, oh, of course. And the title of course. Poem. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's in, there isn't, it isn't gratuitous use of that because there is, the title poem does feature their music um, because it wasn't my soundtrack, so to speak, but it was um, a background soundtrack um, to my boyfriend's at the time's um, life, if that makes sense. So it was a background soundtrack in our life together, um, which is where that comes in. Uh, and then, of course, from my point of view, actually, blood sugar being with the diabetes, it, it just gave me an interesting title, if that makes sense, to play on that. Yeah, it does. It does definitely make sense, that it does, certainly. So that's why. So, and what I really, really like this book, Sarah, and I know this from your previous, previous, I've read at least one of your previous books, probably, I think it's two of the your poetry ones, is I'd like the fact when you start playing around the language in your books. Because, like, it's, and I'm not going to actually read these poems out because there's some of them, like, How to Become Your Worst Friend. It, I was at that one, took me about three or four times to read it because I just loved all the bit where you put, like, a, a I'm trying to read this in the Tower of Darkness here as well, a star, then a star one, I think it's star two, like, next to, it's the next to certain parts of it. And I'll say, example with that one, which is obviously page 17 in your book. What made you want to do the piece that way, for example? Um, I have, see, I would love to be the first person to have ever done this, but I can't, and I can't even, because I did one in my, one of my previous collections, uh, like it basically, uh, for simplicity of way of describing it, it's, it's kind of like a, fo a footnote poem. So you have the main poem and then you have the asterisk starring off to the foot footnotes. Um, and then what's in the footnotes, though, aren't usual footnotes. They're actually poetry uh, and part of the poem, so to speak. Um, but when I did that last time, I'd, um, I think I'd kept to the, the, the usual footnote format of one, two, three, four. And in this, I decided to um, keep the one, obviously in the footnote section, the footnote poem, to keep the one, two, three, four in order. But, where, but then when I link them back into the text, to have them not in chronological order, so to speak, to have the, you know, I've got two appears, then four, then one, then 10. Um, I guess maybe this is linking back to the room in terms of hypertext links, choosing the words which would link most to those parts of the uh, footnote poem. And I've now probably confused everyone in trying to explain how it works. <laughs> no, I'm sure they're not. No, but it's like it's it's a fascinating book. It really is like it's I love like it's obviously people know us, I'm diabetic type one myself. And it's like reading this, it's like I've got a half complete book dangling around, which I may finish someday. But it's nothing the manuscript's nothing like what you wrote here at all. Like it, I loved on page 21, for example, as well, where you put, listen, the silence is in pain. But then like, there's words crossed out in between it and it's difficult hit of disability. And I thought that's really, really powerful. That's why, and again, like it's it's a fascinating book. It really, really is this one, Sarah. How long a book did it take? How long did it take you to write this book? Was it one of those ones that took quite a few years, this, was it, and all? It, it you know, it's one of those complicated questions in that I didn't set out, set 
out initially to write it. So some of the poems were it within it were, were written. And I'm trying to think when the earliest was back. I think one of them actually, I, I workshopped when I was doing my, ma my master's um, at Manchester Metropolitan University. So that would have been back in about 2011, possibly oh, 2012. Wow. Wow. Um, so that, it, it, but at that stage, that was a poem that I didn't really do a lot with then. Um, and to be honest, I think I forgot about it for quite a while. And then there are quite a few that were published individually. And at that stage, they weren't, they weren't a bulk of work. Does that make sense? Yeah, um, yeah, I do, yeah. And it yeah. was later on, maybe 2017, when I was starting to think about writing about my life in terms of the disability, um, that they then all started to slowly come together. Um, and there were even some really, really new ones once I had that idea that came along a lot later than the rest, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, um, no, straight away with it, because yeah. I think I can say it straight away, not like it's, I think it's one of those sort of books, really, like, with such a personal topic to you, you definitely can't force it. Yeah. Like, that one, that's, and that, because there's an awful lot, you can feel like you've lived it. It's, I feel like it's not just a book that's a life. You can see, like, you've lived lived each piece itself separately. It's, it's a fantastic book. It really is one of the best books I've read for a while, this one. Now, I've got to ask you as well, then, on it, because I'm curious to know with it as well, where did um, the quote for Emily Dickinson come into this book what made you want to put emily dickinson at the end of it at the um, see i'm a bit naughty because of course in books quite often poets will have dedications at the start and i do have um dedications and quotes from other poets or other writers and i do have two quotes at the start oh no one quote at the start which was from a shakespeare one the merchant of venice so that was quite an old quote and then i just thought well you know how would it be to have a quote at the end um which is where Emily Dickinson's one comes in. Um, and of course, Emily Dickinson's a much more recent poet. So there was kind of a sense of, for me, that of an older poet and a, and a, and a more recent preceding and influencing poet in there. Um, I guess to pay, for me, to pay tribute to the fact that there are, um, and they're not beyond those two, that, that one takes one place within however small one's place may be, one takes it within what's been written before, um, what will be written afterwards. Um, and all those wonderful poems that are already out there, if that makes sense. Um, and in terms of the substance of the quote, um, the first William Shakespeare one was that it's about the quality of mercy is not strained. It droppeth as a gentle rain from heaven. Um, and Emily Dickens is, and is the and saw must be the storm that could abash the little bird that kept so many warm. And I think that it was just that those particular two were maybe hopefully partly what's reflected in the journey. It's not a straightforward narrative arc, but there is a narrative arc across the collection in terms of the struggles I've had in the past. And I guess coming to some kind of acceptance of the fact that diabetes isn't going to go away i have got to live with it and actually that not all of it is bad yeah no i agree i agree with you completely like i said it's i can understand that myself where i contracted obviously i'm 39 like uh, which is very i know it's quite rare that like, you usually get it even you're even older or in your case you were you're six when you got it weren't you so i think it's in your book somewhere it's like it's yeah i understand like it's something you get used to 
not fantastic. It's not great to live with, but yeah, you can get around, you can get used to it after a while, but definitely so for that one. So not brilliant. Okay, now obviously that's pretty well the questions on this today on the book, really, because I was to be honest with you, Sarah, I just want people to read it, to be honest with you. So it's probably the best way of summon summarizing it, really. So that's why it gives it does give a really good ex explanation of the existence of living with diabetes. Now, do you have any ideas of where you see your writing going next at the moment? Um, I don't know. I'm probably, I mean, I'm sure certainly the number of poets that I know and a number of writers that I, I'm not actually been, the room was a high point in, in lockdown. I've not actually been writing that much new stuff. I think after a while, possibly being stuck mostly between four walls, except when I'm out in nature, kind of starts to, there's not the natural inspiration. It means you have to go searching for inspiration via the internet, for example, because you've just not got a lot happening in your life. And also I think for me during COVID, there was a lot of feeling of, well, you know, I'm tired. <laughs> yeah, um, I can relate to that. So I've not really written, I've not really written much. I've written bits. And what I do like is that when they come, when it's like that, they are like, Ooh, yeah, um, they want you to as keepers, aren't they? So yeah, not like yeah, oh. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I know yeah. what you mean there. So yeah, and the same for us really because when we went lockdown because my jobs actually sent day jobs sent me home. They did and told I remember there's that I don't know if I've told you this. They actually told me at the time, bring us up once a week. We're not going to fail on you. Just tell us you're still alive and we'll keep paying you. We'll get some work sent to you at home. It took them seven months. Would you believe? So. <laughs> So like it was, and Amanda's, I know Amanda's work completely dried up at that point, the freelance work, and it was like it was yeah. just an absolute nightmare. Possible, <laughs> like in just case, I get to surviving really, isn't it? So, like, and you, and you yeah, are, I mean, it your family, your family, yeah, you changed everything. Your family were probably driving you crazy at the time, probably as well, weren't they? So. Actually, that was one of the strange things. Having my son's home from school was actually really nice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we might disagree. I mean, I should ha <laughs> I hasten to say that that's because mine are, you know, they were in GCSEs, nearly GCSEs and A-levels. Yes, they were in GCSEs. One was taking GCSEs and one was taking A-levels. So we're not talking about little kids. I mean, for parents with children that need looking after all the time and an eye on them all the time and then not only that you've got to suddenly teach them you know it was a nightmare um so yeah but my because mine are elder it was actually older it was actually quite nice to have them around if that makes sense they're fairly self-motivated in, in in doing their own work although one of them found it quite hard after a while to have lost the whole socialization of school Oh, yikes. Um, I, can, I can understand but yeah. it's like It's like, that's what's it's happened to everybody. This, this, the way it's gone, it's affected people in very, very different ways. It has lockdown. And I agree with you. Let's just hope, Sarah, it helps you, Pete, you can get, get going again with your writing and your creativity properly then soon. Because I know you've got a few, obviously, this is going out after you launched. I know you've got a launch out beginning of June. And this is going out, August, July, like we said before to you. But like I said, is, have you got any, any, many other readings coming up with this at the moment, haven't you, then? I haven't at the moment. I do. I'm trying to get some, and I do need to get some. Um, yeah, I've been. There's a lot going on in my life outside of outside of writing, which has been a bit tricky to to work around, if that makes sense. Um, 
because I don't want to fix dates and then not be able to make them. But I'm, I'm starting to look from stuff from from July and August onwards um, to get some dates on the diary. Then um, it's just June's a bit of a <laughs> ironically, June has turned out to be a bit of a hard month. But, oh, I'm, you know, again, maybe I'll get some Zoom stuff instead, which is a lot easier because I can fit Zoom in really easily. It's just yeah. traveling to places that can get a bit more complicated yeah and that's, that's um, a good that's a good way of putting it that definitely so <laughs> so yeah good luck with it sarah definitely like i said for i'm not going to keep hammering it on thank you. it's a fantastic book now obviously um the book can we got from verve poetry press itself can't it i can see absolutely and, yeah and i'm guessing as well it's unavailable on all good and evil news aid and you say bookshops as well and i'm <laughs> guessing it'll be on amazon as well won't it and all the usual places as well I haven't checked Amazon yet. I ought to, but if it's not on there already, then I, I can always add it as a seller, if that makes sense. So, yeah, yeah course, I yeah. should get it up on there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, bookshops, you may have to get them to order it because, unfortunately, as we all know, bookshops tend to have shrunk. <laughs> yeah. Shrunk a lot, full stop. And, and But particularly with the, when it comes to the poetry shelf. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, um, But, yes, they shouldn't have any problem getting hold of it. Good. Now, obviously, your website is um, sarah-james.co.uk, because I'm looking at it at the moment. And I'm guessing as well, off top of my head, you, people can track you down on Instagram, Facebook, all the usual places, can't they, as well? So, Absolutely. I'm on different names. Sometimes I'm Sarah James and sometimes I'm Sarah Leavesley or S.A. Leavesley. But, yeah, I am on different platforms. I quite enjoy Instagram at the moment with photos. Oh, it's great fun. I do, I do like Instagram myself, actually, yeah, as well. So it's good fun, definitely. So I said it's, I, I'll put it somewhere. So I, I tell you what I have found, just tip anybody listen to this. It's a amount of stuff like when I put all my, lot of my videos or your big podcast like today, they go and they go up on Instagram. Yeah. You get tons of people listening to me doing it. You can get a really good following off them as well. But definitely with that one. So, I mean, the. Yeah, different platforms, and you and it's different for me. It's different people on different. Well, it's not totally different people, but it it it's having different audiences on different platforms is really um, you're interacting with different people, which is which is fun. And and for me, because I do a lot of photography on Instagram, whereas I maybe don't on Facebook or Twitter, it, it's integrating in, in, in interacting with them in in a different way as well, which is really nice. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with you completely. And it is really, really, it's really fascinating and good. Like creating a different networks as well. It's like kind of like you said, you can use your creativity in different ways all the time. So no, brilliant. Right, Sarah, what we'll do is we'll wrap up this point now and I want to give you a chance to read out a few poems for us, of course. So it's been a pleasure today, as always. So hang around, everybody. We shall be back in a minute. Spoken label. Hi guys. Yes, spoken label, still in the house. Andy N. Wonderful Sarah James, also known as Sarah Livesey. So straight over to Sarah now. She's going to do four pieces for us. Over to you, my friend. Okay, thank you. So I'm going to start with this one. Listen, the silence, difficult or hidden disability, is in pain. It howls through the bricktop chimney, spits soot smoke and burnt feathers, hisses from the stone-cold iron, whistles steam from an empty kettle. It punches shadows onto sunlit walls, stuffs fists in our castanet mouths. 
digs red crescents into now clenched palms. Twist pinches lips closed like a bloodstain. The silence says everything that we try to keep hidden. Then when it's finished, it licks its sticky paws for a minute before sharpening longer claws. Tremendous, absolutely tremendous. I loved it the way you did that then, because if people obviously look at the manuscript, they can see like, obviously there's words that are crossed out. I love the way you use them by speaking them more softly. It really had a good emphasis to that. So wonderful, wonderful. Okie dokie then, right. On to number two. My still life. Ditch Van Gogh's sunflowers as too loud too showy. Take Monet's garden, but leave it unmown. Let the breeze blow seeds clear of long grass. Better still, grow a motley bunch of daisies, poppies and meadowweed, but do not pick them. Watch bees rush to dance in their sticky pollen. Vast Sap stalks dream of rain's soft touch, longing for the quiet music that comes with this. When illness tries to brittle bright petals or dry leaves to thinness, I know that there's still life outside this painter's arid picture. It starts with simple things. I open the window and breathe in the sky. Oh, I really love that one, Sarah. I really, really do. Are you familiar with any of Derek Jarman's work? I'm not. I probably should be, but I'm not, no. Check him out, because he's he was a fantastic painter. He's lived in, he was like a filmmaker in the what, 70s, 80s, early 90s. And um, he had, towards the end of his life, he contracted AIDS. He was living in a cottage he once and he used to do all these really vivid paintings about flowers and stuff and write among them. And I can really see that in that piece, actually, I can. Really, really vivid. Mm. I, just, I loved the way at the end of it where you opened the window up and breathed in the sky. I thought that's a great way of, like, stepping beyond the page and really the poem. Fantastic. Thank you. Okay. Sometimes we... it is the simple things that... I was going to say, just going to say, sometimes yeah. oh, it's the simple yeah. things that, that bring pleasure in life, which I think I've come to realise more during COVID than I ever did before. Yeah, same, same, same for us, really, because like it's, um, I don't know if I've told you this again, because like, I feel like I tell people, but like um, just after I got sent home from work, we were allowed, obviously, to go out for an hour's walk a day. And Amanda found that it's all fresh and we found it together, really. We found this forest at the back of us, and we've been living in this forest all the time now, all the time, when I'm not in work. Like it was a big Shepherd Woods, and it just goes on forever. And then we never used to see anybody, it was fantastic. <laughs> oh, wow, it sounds amazing! Yeah, so if, if you ever come this way, we'll take you down there, I promise you, right? So, <laughs> so you'll love it. So, okay, to, your next piece now, which is my favorite piece in the book, actually. This next one, freshly baked. My hands tired after two minutes of kneading. 
Mum would stretch and knuckle on without stopping, folding in the day's hopes. Though Doe stuck to her wedding band, she refused to take it off for this ritual. Promises made were promises kept. Problems turned elastic in her fingers. Her mix would rise to a smooth moon, be knocked back, then rise again. Once the loaf was baked, I'd wait for mum to declare its golden crust firm enough to slice and eat. Thick and sweet with jam for my sister, or buttered, soldiered and dipped in yolk, bringing warmth and sunshine to the start of each long week. Time has taught me that memories too should be softened and proof. Not all of my childhood was illness. Brilliant. Now, I think we've talked about this, talked about this one before, and this is obviously sort of people are very mind if you're diabetic. This, that's why I can really relate to this one, Sarah. So okay, I think that you'd agree with me with this. There's a myth in there about diabetic who's been ill all the time, and it's not really, is it? Like I said, that's why I think this poem's a really good example. You, you do have a life. You do. It's an interesting balance between between the diabetic side of life and what looks to most people and to some extent is the normal life on the outside. There, there are still a few things diabetics can't do, but there aren't that many. It just takes that bit of extra preparation and planning and working out how it's how it's most likely to work well, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, oh, I mean... Yeah. I think for me, one of the problems when I look back is because memories tend to be formed from significant things, which is probably why I've got no memories in COVID because we didn't go anywhere or do anything. Um, that looking back on my childhood, unfortunately, a disproportionate amount of them are linked to the to the diabetes and the diagnosis. When in actual fact, I know it can't have been the case. It's just that those are only the bits that that rise to the top if it makes sense yeah yeah no i agree i agree but i think it's so i went for some very similar myself over lockdown when obviously we had a bit of a long spell when we were actually weren't allowed to leave that i wasn't allowed to leave the flat and it was like oh good grief it was terrifying it was like it was like it was like get the stage i mean it's not climbing you're in danger of climbing the walls aren't you you're just in that same room all the time and that's why i mean that poem it's said said lock me there sorry sarah yeah, oh, no, sorry, I've <laughs> got the, the delay on Zoom, which is always interesting. Um, yeah, I, I think it changes everything, doesn't it? It changes all sorts of things when you're, when, when you're restricted in, in what you're doing, um, how you feel about the world, what you see in the world, what you notice in the world. And some of that's good. You know, I notice things when I'm out walking that prior to COVID I'd never have noticed because I was just rushing on by not looking um but yeah and I'm not the most extrovert person and I found it hard so yeah yeah well I'm I'm massive you know I'm a big extrovert I am people know that yeah. like it was like it knocked the stuffing out of me a little bit and it took me a while to get my head back and swing swing the things yeah. again it just wasn't easy at all so that's why but that's why I can really relate to have. yeah we, we fight on 
I'm a fighter, right? So, <laughs> as I was saying, yes, you are as well. <laughs> right, okay. We're on to the last piece I'm going to do first today now. A woman I must not become. One crack against the side and yolk pours forth. A liquid sun that settles that sets warm and supple to their hungry tongues. She talks of the sizzling oil, that first summer's sticky heat, his skin glistening on rippled cheeks, life's infinite futures. She recalls this as he reminds her that last week she lost her keys, forgot where he worked and how they got together. He doesn't mention the rows or the days which disappear with her laughter, her appetite and her energy. She cries. He cries. The house cries. Every glass surface is smeared by tears. Irony smirks. As a teenager, she'd escape from scraped chairs and slammed doors to the garden swing, flying horizonwards, aware he'd got her back, his firm strength behind her. The sky was uncracked, lit by hope and dreams. But some things are beyond them, slowly spilling. Sometimes on sunny days, he finds her on their children's swing. He gently pushes her, unsure if they're reliving the past or reaching for a brighter future. Tremendous. Great way of finishing the set off, that Sarah. It's a really, really powerful piece, that one. So I got that one. Was that, quite, was that quite a difficult piece? Was the right one? It felt like it was quite a difficult one, that one. Um, yeah, I mean, it. There are long-term complications from high blood sugars, as, as you know, like things yeah. like um, yeah. loss of sight and loss of limbs. But there is, if you have, when you have low, low, the opposite, when you have low blood sugars, it, it affects mental capacity. And I also have um, a great grandmother who had Alzheimer's. So I and I and when I was a journalist, I one of the features that I once did was interviewing someone who was caring for her I think it was her husband who had Alzheimer's so the other way around but that is something that you know oh <laughs> yeah it's something that scares me um no it's understandable it's uh, it's yeah. my I'm the other way around like that my me and my dad you know I've told you my dad's diabetic but he has he has he doesn't have the hypos that I, I crash quite I've had quite a few bad crashes going too low before now. His are the other way around because the last couple of years he's 86 with that now. And this is this general knowledge is when people can find this one out. His readings have been often sometimes three or four times higher than what they should have been. Yeah. And that's why they said they got yeah. Which is tough because actually, I mean, we talk about long-term complications with it, but certainly I know there is a little bit of stretch. And if it stretch, but if it stretches too far, the, ple the it also affects the present moment. It's not very pleasant trying to do life when you've got very high blood sugar because you just start to feel thirsty. You want to go to the loo, you feel drowsy. Um, yeah. Oh bless. 
Is he getting good help? Yeah, he gets lots of good help. He does because I keep an eye on because I know a lot. I know a lot about it. My brother, brother's diabetic now as well, and he speaks to the doctors and nurses every week. Nearly now he does on the hot on the doctors, nurses, and the hospital frequent as well. So he's doing great. He's doing great. Don't you know? That's why. So yeah. I say he's mentally he's still there. So <laughs> mentally he's still there. So it's great. Yeah. I say he's just physically not as good as he was, but you get that stage you want, don't you? So <laughs> so anyway, Sarah. We'll wrap up here because I need to chat John Mike off mic anyway. So a few bits and pieces. So it's been a pleasure today, as always, right? Now you hold the joint record of about three other people. So <laughs> thank you. I feel really honoured. <laughs> and it's been I've, lovely chatting. It oh, always is. Always is, Sarah. Amanda holds the record, people wondering, but she's been on four times. And two of them, two of them were before well, we started. Do, really. She really yeah. should do. <laughs> two of them were before we started dating. We were just friends. So I'll show you how far back this podcast has been going now. So <laughs> anyway, anyway, we'll conclude here, guys. So as Don Callis at Impact Wrestling always says, stay safe and stay over. And we will see you all next time. Spoken How to become your own worst friend. Try to reverse time as if to tweak your genes. To wipe out the diabetes. Footnote 2. Unblunt the parts. Footnote 4. You'll sharpen. Footnote 1. To arrows against your heart. The mind you'll use to break anything happy. Footnote 10. Start at the beginning when you aren't even a dream. Footnote 14. In your parents' lives. See? Footnote 7. Already there are eggshell cracks. Footnote 9. In the family you'll spill through. Pain that can't be undone. Note how, footnote 13, you accumulate, footnote 3, bad shit. Tell your brain it isn't a fate, footnote 6, you could escape. Let yourself say, I'm good enough, it's not my fault. Pretend to believe, footnote 11, this. The past can't be mended. The past is not yet you, footnote 12. Stubbornly broken and grabbing for explanations, footnote 5. That might make sense of the unfairness, though, of course, you'll find none, footnote 8. Footnote 1. Attack yourself as the body, footnote 2. Over attacks its own cells. Footnote 3. Substitute your list. Footnote 4. Of personal design flaws. Footnote 5. Footnote well. Footnote 6. Caveat life to death. Footnote 7. Watch closely those. Footnote 8. Who don't like something. Someone. Footnote 9. When all else fails, call it, footnote 10, names, pull it apart. Footnote 11, piece together instead, footnote 12, a voodoo doll, prickly with pins. Footnote 13, this isn't the best way, 
footnote 14, to make a person, life, world, but... Spoken, mate.